0: But it no, it's not a weekend, it's Thursday, baby.
1: Thursday's an underrated I think it's day. The, um, Let's be honest, I think every time it's I do Friday, this show, Eve. Now that it's sponsored by Corona it feels like a Friday.
2: Because, oh, yeah, you know, by the way, on, I feel like I'm just ready to pop one open right afterward.
0: Wow, what look no at that shilling? More,
2: <laughs> no one is more sponsored <laughs> by, by, by Corona before we, we were even sponsored by, than by Corona than Israel today. Gutierrez. By it's the crazy.
3: way, hello, yeah, look at that.
1: Let's just look at it.
0: We're looking at it. Chicago, Illinois. I was unaware. I would like I a tour, please. That. Invite me over, Corona. You're in my welcome, hood.
2: Welcome to a fake television show where we debate nothing. That is sponsored by Corona, which is apparently... And this is a seemingly debatable fact, actually. Based in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, but nonetheless, Alabaster, this is Israel Gutierrez, that is Sarah Spain, you know. It's me, your neighborhood friendly Pablo. Uh, what's going on? We're going to start <laughs> the show with uh, someone, someone who
3: actually, actually has a lot, a lot more time, time to find, to find his, be his beach and enjoy a good corona. corona. And that's oh Bruce <laughs> Harry. Oh, boy. Our question. Our question. Our question. What do you take do you away, take from, away the from the news?
2: That good, old, the good Bruce old Bruce Arians, Arians is stepping, stepping, down down his stepping down as coach down of the Bucks. So Bruce Arians announced that he is stepping down as coach of the Bucks. Last night, Last night, right? This happened, right? This seemingly, happened. Seemingly, seemingly. I mean, I mean to, to most, most of, of the football viewing public, and to seemingly many of the people who work in football, a massive shock. I mean, he had spent three seasons coaching the Bucks, won a Super Bowl, did not win a Super Bowl this past season. Tom Brady, you may have heard of that guy. Retired, unretired, etc. He named Bruce Arians, did Todd Bowles as his immediate successor, and immediately everyone was like, "Oh, Tom Brady fired Bruce Arians." And as much as we got, guys, like all of those paragraphs, all of those notes app TLDR explanations as to how this was actually a very planned and empathetic and progressive, even, line of succession that everyone was totally down for, I find it really hard, despite the insistence by Bruce Arians that there is no connection at all between his stepping down and Tom Brady returning, that in fact, there is a massive connection here between his stepping down and Tom Brady returning.
1: I'd like to hear from Sarah because I haven't heard any opinions on this up until now. So I feel like I'm I'm a crazy person until I heard you, Pablo. So now I want to see if Sarah makes me feel a little bit
0: crazy. Okay, so I disagree. And maybe I'm too naive to believe what's being said by all the parties involved. And maybe it's cleaner and easier for everyone to say that this was Arian's way of... Making sure that thank you. You guys ever <laughs> notice that if you don't wear your AirPods for the show, um, they pointed out. But also, if you wear them for the prep mm. and the show, sometimes they die in the middle of the show, mm. and then you get those little like bleep bleeps in your ears. You are like, we oh, I'm are not going to make it.
2: Not not sponsored by Apple, clearly. No, but if they want to uh, get in on Apple, the game, if then, you can make you your know. AirPods, AirPods Pro don't die
0: like two hours instead of dying in the middle of the show. Okay, thanks Corona. <laughs> anyway. Um, Here's the thing. I don't think that Tom Brady retires from football because of Bruce Arians when they won a Super Bowl together after living with Belichick and the Patriot way for two decades. And I recognize at the end of your career when you've achieved as much as he has and when you're already inching towards maybe wanting to spend more time with family and not having to go through the physical and mental prep that a football season requires, you're more likely to make decisions based on everything including comfort level and relationship as opposed to just the ambitious bloodthirsty drive that has allowed him to play for as long as he has. So maybe in in New England it was still, I'm young enough, I still have more I want to accomplish I'm willing to put up with anything to keep playing. And when he got to Tampa Bay, they won a Super Bowl. It was easier to say goodbye. I just don't buy that. I don't buy that Tom Brady retired because he was that fed up with Bruce Arians. For all we've heard, there was some headbutting over Tom being incredibly intense and very prepared and Arians being a little more fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants, you know, like gunslinging, let's figure it out as we go. But that doesn't feel like enough to cause the greatest quarterback of all time to leave. He essentially gave up football for Lent and came back. And I don't think within that time, the team said, is there any way we could bring it back if we make Bruce leave? It just doesn't, that doesn't feel right to me. The timing feels much more like Bruce allowed Bowles to take over the team with a staff that's intact in a way that keeps all the families and staff in a good position, moves him to the front office. And let's say Tom does retire in a year or two. Bruce can go back and coach if he wants to. This isn't a kicking an old man out to the yard. If it was really a problem, wouldn't he be out of the team entirely and not move to the front office?
1: Yeah. Um, so first, before I get to my opinion, which is right in between your guys, is just a preview. Um, okay. I love Peter King's lead right here when he talked about uh, this this news. He said, "Add this to the craziest, newsiest NFL offseason." In modern league history, as if to suggest <laughs> before the modern history, there was some crazy <laughs> offseason where everybody's like, oh my, like, what is going on here? Like, get this to the news. You know, it's just it's absolutely yeah, insane. Like, the right. greatest quarterback of all time retires and unretires. And Tyreek it's There's he, a he, lot going on this offseason.
2: Admittedly, <laughs> if you're processing the news like wearing a leather helmet on a literal typewriter, everything must <laughs> yeah. seem pretty crazy. And, and to True. be
0: fair, most of the players probably had a second job as like a construction worker. So there was mm. some sort of serious accident. Where a star player lost a foot Could in the be. off season, you know You're right. you just you never know. There might have been some really dramatic goings on when people were, you know, straddling right. two. Peter jobs. King
1: checking all his base, just making sure yeah. he doesn't overstep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So my first thought was, okay, Tom did have some sort of connection with Bruce Arians. He probably has no connection with Todd Bowles. This means Tom Brady is going to find his way out of Tampa. That was my first thought because you hear all these rumors and you read all this stuff about, oh, uh, Brady to Miami because eventually he's going to have ownership stakes. And my thought was, oh, here we go. Like Bruce Arians is the one who said, Tom's not going to play anywhere else. So if he's not on the sideline, maybe there's some wiggle room for him to get out. That was my first thought. But then I realized that these two aren't attached like Belichick and Brady are. Like we they've shown you all season long or last couple seasons that they have their differences and they're not as connected. And so, you know, according to a report, uh, Rick Stroud of the Buck's beat writer, I forget what newspaper, what the newspaper's called over there now. Uh, but he said that but, uh, Brady was told the same day or the day after that he announced uh, his return that that's when Bruce Arians would be, that, that that's when he told him that Bruce Arians would be stepping down. So I just see this as a coincidence. I see this as you know, potentially I could still probably knock on some doors and say, hey, what are the chances I can play somewhere else? But that the head coach and the fact that Arians is still there in some capacity probably soothes Tom Brady a little bit. And yeah, he's just going to give it a go with Tampa Bay. That's where I'm landing right now. But so many things, so many uh, options are still out there. And I wouldn't be surprised by any of them, frankly.
2: So, Alabaster, number one, I like how it took us six minutes for Izzy to utter the phrase, Brady to Miami. I was wondering when that was yeah. going to happen. He's been mm-hmm. banging that drum for a very long time, mm-hmm. and it's not happening, and yet, of course, the drum gets banged.
0: That the was trending thing- within 30 seconds to one minute, because I was on the air last night, Spain and Fitz, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, when this news broke. And so I'm on Twitter reacting and looking for the different pieces of information to gather about this news. And Brady to Miami is trending as quickly as Arian stepping down is to the point where other reporters are like, wait, is this is Brady to Miami? Like they thought it was breaking news at the exact same time. That's how much the Miami people have tried to drum this up into something.
1: I don't want that, by the way. I'm a Tua fan. I don't want Tom Brady coming in here and sitting him to the bench for a year. Just so you know. Izzy
2: also has evaluated uh, Tua Bailoa as uh, Drew Brees, or better than Drew Brees, Al Bastard. Is that the phrasing, just to get that scattered? Lefty Drew
0: Brees.
3: (laughs) Prime lefty Lefty
2: Drew Brees. Brees.
1: Potential lefty Drew Brees. But let's not go
2: back there.
0: And now better than the greatest quarterback of all time in terms of who he would select for his team. Mm
2: -hmm. But but this is, but the whole greatest quarterback of all time aspect of this power dynamic is why, like, it is, I think, in retrospect, going to be obvious that no, Tom Brady doesn't leave. You leave. Like, this is his place. This is his castle. Is the printer like, broken? The whole...
1: Is that where we're going with blue Sharpies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what is... Like, what's going on
2: here? For the podcast audience, our budget <laughs> our has been slashed. Has <laughs> somehow resulted in us using post its. Maybe it's the color scheme, mm. yellow and blue. I don't really know why that's happening. Mm. Due there, to the yes, Corona sponsorship, so.
0: Alabaster now works from the beach, so he does not have access to a printer. Mm. <laughs>
2: that's right. So listen, or he's the whole the whole thing about how this is being announced. I will admit, it is very clever cuz I am still going to remain an extremist on the this is a conspiracy kind of subject. The whole notion that like yes, Tom Brady posts an Instagram thing and Bruce Arians says like thank you brother with a, you know, uh, <laughs> emoji of like scotch in like a mm-hmm. tumbler. Yeah, like <laughs> clever, right? The whole idea mm-hmm. that that Rick Stroud report alabaster put back the card where Rick Stroud Tampa Bay beat writer reports that the timing of this is such that Tom Brady was informed that Bruce Arians would be stepping down and replaced with Todd Bowles either the same day or the day after Brady announced his return seems pretty ass covery You know, the whole idea of like, well, when would Tom Brady have known about this? It just happened to be as soon as he came back. Like, I'm not saying, Sarah, that Tom Brady retired exclusively to oust Bruce Arians. I just think that when Tom Brady had his list of demands, his things he wanted as a condition of his return, he was like, I don't want that guy. I don't want the guy that I did not get along with as my farewell tour coach. Like that guy doesn't do the job the same way that I do. I mean, but
0: I do think it's a personality thing. That is a big risk, though, because while Todd Bowles is a respected coordinator and we know defensively uh, has been a success. He didn't have a great success as a head coach. Now, it's impossible to separate where you're coaching from how you do as a coach, particularly when it's the Jets. But for Tom Brady to put his, his fate over the last year or two into the hands of a complete unknown, you could argue that he's getting much more power. And that's what a lot of folks are saying, right? When Tom Brady arrived in Tampa Bay, he wanted two Mm -hmm. things. He wanted more power and he wanted better weapons. He got the weapons. He did not necessarily get more of the power. Although a lot of what we've said about his relationship with Arians, I don't think has been informed by fact, because most will tell you that when he arrived, Bruce Arians did say, let's run what you want to run. Let's see how it goes and how it went was a Super Bowl win. So I think that we are maybe inflating some of the relationship issues because we're used to saying Brady gets his way. Bulls could be great, and he will have more power if Bulls is the lead man. But I don't know if it's a sure thing. And yes, Alabaster, what's going on?
3: I do have a, I have one question about this. First of all, I want it to be noted that Tom Brady thanked Arians on Instagram, calling him a pioneer and a legend. I can only imagine how Bill Belichick felt after he was sort of stiffed <laughs> in the initial retirement. But my yeah. second question is like, Bowles is, is the defensive guy. Is it possible yeah. that Brady is actually just putting his faith in Byron Lepwich, who he was like incredibly simpatico with over the last year and allowed yeah. him to develop that system? Because that's still yeah, a so play that's, out very-
0: That That was my point. And then I thought you had breaking news and that's why you needed to interject. But that's actually what the point I was trying to to make is there's a big risk in putting his faith in Todd Bowles, but the power that he wanted is now more clearly there if the head coach is a defensive guy who's going to allow the OC to have yeah. more control over play calling and decision-making offensively, which means that he and Leftwich can be the people running his side of the deal. That's clearly what he would want. The question is whether or not it's a bigger risk to get rid of a really respected and successful guy in Arians that you've already won one with. No worries.
2: Well, Izzy, Izzy, look, but this is Mm. like the... I feel like the more we spell this out, the more obvious it is that this is Tom Brady just gaining the power that we're sort of dancing around, right? I I do think New England is a useful data point here, right? Because in New England, his head coach was a defensive guy, right? He had a defensive-minded head coach, (laughs) and the relationship frayed underneath for reasons having to do with a personality chemistry issue. And also, sure arguments over how good is Tom Brady at the very end and how well can he run this offense. If you have Byron Leftwich as your defense... Yes, yes, yes. He has installed, I think, a preferred head coach who can handle the things that he does not know how to do. And behind the scenes, he is pretty clearly the shadow offensive coordinator. And that's not even a slight to Byron Leftwich as much as I think Byron Leftwich is clearly being, I don't know, slotted beneath Tom Brady in the hierarchy of power here. I'm sure Byron Leftwich in a vacuum is objectively really good at his job. I have no reason to doubt otherwise. I just think control here matters. And this is how you get it without actually raising all the red flags among non-conspiracists.
1: Yeah, the head coach just handle the media, you know, handle the clock. Don't say it's my fault after we lose. And, yeah, just, just be the head coach. The defensive coordinator needs to handle the defense. The offensive coordinator and I will handle the offense. We'll handle the practices. We know what works. I know what works. It doesn't even matter if you don't know what works. I will tell you what works. We will uh, execute that on game days, and we move on. You don't actually need a Bruce Arians there to be that guy. It can be Todd Bowles. So, yeah, and I think it's also really cool just giving the job to Todd Bowles and not having him go through sham interviews left and right, and you're giving so, you know a, a, a black assistant a head coach, which is obviously a topic of discussion right here uh, lately. So, yeah, I do think that Tom Brady figures don't need that. And, and if we don't get along, then might as well just move him somewhere else so that we can let this machine, you know, work more smoothly.
2: It does feel... I mean, Sarah, it does feel like... On the one hand, I think it's absolutely fair to point out, as he does, that like what Bruce Arians is doing and what he has said now publicly in these very long messages about Todd Bowles and why he's giving it to us and the timeline and how it's special, right? He's going to take over a team that's actually good. It's so rare yes. to get a first... I mean, a, a black head coach to take over any team that's a winning scenario. All of that is fair. I'm sure that's sincere. Bruce Arians has been a champion of like actual progressive hiring practices in the NFL that's unimpeachable. I also just think that Tom Brady is like, hey, man, seems like it's time for you to move on. And maybe this is so all just very a- conveniently <laughs> happening.
0: Yeah, so I'm interested in the Todd Bowles aspect on the one hand because there is a consistency across the staff and a team that was already successful. But I do wonder whether this inhibits his ability to make this team his own and in any way affects whether or not he would be able to replace staff members with his own chosen people or – have this feel truly like his team instead of Arian's team that he inherits. Now, I would imagine a lot of the people that he works with are people he would retain. And that's something that Bruce has mentioned that his wife in particular said to him, you're in charge of 37 people and their families. If you step down, he said this to Peter King as well. If I step down, all those people will probably get fired. That's what happens when a new regime comes in. Instead, I time this so that The NFL would have to set a new precedent allowing interviews now instead of during the official offseason. And so instead of having to go through all of that, I just transition it over and he takes everything over as it is. Now in the future, of course, he can make staffing changes and all of that. But the timing does mean that this is Bruce Arian's team with Todd Bowles now as head coach. So that's an interesting element, I think, to look at. I also wonder if you guys are going to go with the assumption that this was Brady retiring as a threat and and calling them up and saying but I would be willing to come back if it's not Bruce anymore then did the team make the right move prioritizing an aging quarterback over an aging coach both of whom have had success
2: uh, absolutely I mean I don't think that's it's I, Sarah it almost feels like you just went a quarter Kellerman there it almost felt uh, like you were about to I didn't answer left. the
0: question I asked it I of know you. but
2: no, but, but you piece together framing the past so well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I, no, I, I, feel
0: like... I actually think they chose right. I'm just asking you that because there's an argument to be made for Tom Brady could get hurt in the first play, and now you've got this guy who had just shown this model for success in the league, and while he's old, he ain't Pete Carroll, who, by the way, the Seahawks went ahead and chose the 70-year-old coach that's right. over their quarterback. That's right. So, I, anyway, <laughs> I, I I was not positing that question because I disagree with the decision by the team. I just think you've you've set up a situation where you believe that there was an ultimatum. No, there
2: is. By the hey, way, Izzy, like there really is. Like you know, it's funny. Like Bruce Arians had that quote: "Succession is very important to me," and I'm like. Yes, in this sense, also like, I love that we're getting a kind of NFL version of the TV show Succession here. <laughs> Because behind the scenes, yes, this is a power grab. These are hard choices. You are like, you're retiring Bruce Arians to like a fake job in the front office. And this job's gonna be fake, let's be real about it, right? Like Bruce Arians, I mean, part of the whole frustration here is the personality clash, is the idea that Tom Brady gets up at like 3 a.m., doesn't eat strawberries, whatever the hell, and he is incredibly detail oriented, and even right. if yeah. he is not his peak self, he is acting and behaving as if it is. And that aspect of him is seemingly, from everything we understand about Bruce Arians, unlike how that guy does his job. Right? You know,
0: like Arians whole, is a partier. Um, a yes. partier. Who I was going to say, he already looks like
1: out. he's retired, so you yeah. might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the hell is probably my favorite Pablo Torre uh, phrase at this point now. Just <laughs> speaking of Tom Brady, just whatever the hell. I think like that's a good analysis there. You should go with that
2: more often. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the partier thing is is kind of the subtext here. And maybe it should be more than that. Because it does feel like, yeah, this was not a guy that... Uh, Alabaster, I don't think we're being unfair here by pointing out that Bruce Ariad's tangle hat no risk it, no biscuit philosophy and all. He's he's not exactly coaching like this is, you know, an all-or-nothing proposition in the same way that Tom Brady lives his life.
3: I think it is completely fair to say that there were some uh, philosophical differences between the TB12 method and a coach who had admittedly right. used to drink paint. So <laughs> and yes. basically
1: paint. it all tracks. It all tracks. Paint. Like the reason he – yeah. <laughs> right, I didn't even, we'll get back to that. The reason he, uh, you know, didn't thank Pats pe- fans or the Pats and the reason he just retired from the Bucks, like, it all it all tracks, so it all kind of makes sense. It just didn't seem like it was enough of a reason, like, to, to fake a well, retirement so just to get him off. Like, I'm with Sarah. Like, I could, yeah. I could be convinced either way, to be honest.
0: Uh, I'm also just, I'm glad the media's off the hook because it was our fault that Tom Brady retired, <laughs> remember? Oh, good point. According to his That's dad. Right. But now it was all calculated. It was not, in fact, maybe the media were, in fact, in cahoots with Tom, offering up the idea that he would retire in order to scare the Tampa Bay into making this decision. Okay, I have another follow-up though. I was talking about this last night on the show and I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Bruce Arians had made some pretty definitive statements about Antonio Brown not being on the team. He had made it clear the first time around when he was available and he made it clear again when Antonio Brown was available and had played with Tom Brady in New England. He then suddenly changed his mind by all accounts behind the scenes, Tom Brady had a great influence on AB coming in. Mm. And he had to look foolish, to be honest, and face a lot of questions about hypocrisy and changing his word, because Tom Brady appeared to have the power within that organization to force him to bring in Antonio Brown. Then that ends horrifically. Perhaps Tom's even frustrated with AB snapping on the sideline in a way that ended that when it maybe could have been salvaged uh, by him just letting Antonio Brown throw a fit, hissy fit for that game, but still be available down down the rest of the season. I wonder if there's any part of Bruce Arians that over the offseason, if they were butting heads at all, if there were any discussions, thought to himself, I've achieved a whole lot. I like more free time to hang out. And I don't really want to do this again with a player who I know has the power to undermine the things that I have said and made clear are important to me. Because I thought that was very out of character for Arians considering his commitment to hiring women on his staff and the things that he had said about Antonio Brown and his decision-making right up until the point that Tom Brady allegedly forced his hand.
2: I do think it is, I mean, number one, yes, I think Tom Brady wants to be the head of this household, literal and figurative. He wants to be the guy who can invite Antonio Brown to live at home with him. Yeah. He can be the guy to invite him onto this roster. And Bruce Arians clearly was more friction in that dynamic than I'm guessing Tom Brady, presumed. Yes. He
0: <laughs> by Antonio Brown. Like Arians <laughs> there was a Brady year. were married a and Brady invited A.B. into the house and Bruce just had to accept it.
2: But, but, but the acceptability sort of aspect of Bruce Arians, Izzy, I do think this is fair to say. As much as I believe that there has been a power grab, Bruce Arians is... Remarkably pliable in this dynamic, right? Like he's going along with it. He is yes. clearly <laughs> going along with it in all the ways that Tom Brady would need him to go along with.
0: That's a great I point think to answer. Because ahead, he, he, like, he doesn't have to tell everybody, "I wanted to go to the front office. I'm excited for Todd Bowles." He could be like, "Screw this guy. This, this is what's going down. Tom Brady is getting me kicked out of my job." If yeah. I don't know what that serves him if that if that is how he feels. I don't. Maybe maybe there's some money under the table. I, is he, to I, think, I, think, I think the to...
1: simple answer though is to, yeah. when he says no, this had nothing to do with Tom Brady. I think that's absolutely false. What percentage of what had to do with his decision? Yes, we can we can all sort of discuss, and all of this makes perfect sense. That last point by Sarah, great sense right there. So yeah, that's probably a lie. But when he says after winning the Super Bowl that he wanted to go out on top. This also just kind of tracks with, well, yeah. I've just had enough. The extra year just did it for me. Uh, this is the time to go. I decided to do it this perfect time so that Todd Bowles can be, be be my successor. Yes, it has something to do with Tom because he takes away the joy of my job every single day, even though it comes with more wins than before. Um, but I'm not going to say that it said that it had to do with that because there's a whole organization that needs to go on without me. So, I, I, you know, it's pretty obvious that it had something to do with it. What percentage of what? I guess we'll never find out unless he retires. Well,
0: and would he go work in the front office if it was truly a hostile takeover, right? It, would, he, it, it, yeah. would he go yeah. be around Brady and the team every day in a front office, Bruce Arians could go work anywhere, front office or otherwise. So I I I don't think that he would just acquiesce and then sit and look at the guy every day.
2: Alabaster, this is how I I imagined in my head this went. Tom Brady goes to Bruce Arians and he's like, Bruce, let's just be upfront about something. You're old (laughs) and you don't want to do this anymore. And I am not old and I very much want to do this for a very long time. So can we work something out here? And Bruce Arians is kind of like, you know what, Tom, I'm not gonna win this battle. I can save face, I can be a good guy. There are things I wanted to do at the end of the road anyway. So let's make the end of the road now. And yes, please stop threatening me with your crypto red <laughs> eye beams that you're currently shooting in my direction.
0: I would just argue that you your scenario just involved Tom Brady not being old. And while I recognize that he's not old for life, that, that part is unrealistic. Oh no, this
2: this to me is the key disagreement. Bruce Arians is at peace with being old. Tom Brady refuses to ever admit that. And I think that Never. is kind of the, the distinction that is a major difference in terms of how this team is now gonna be run.
0: Okay, so again, we started out with me thinking this was not a hostile takeover, Brady forcing him out. You guys are starting to convince me in some ways, but I also wanna go back to the idea that you believe that Tom Brady went through retiring And everything that came with that, including a hit to his brand and popularity with the frustration that people have when someone says, I'm all done, all of the talk and the consternation about exactly how he said goodbye and to whom, he went through all of that solely to force the hand of the Bucks, and that that then resulted in this very happy kumbaya situation where everybody has the same story and agrees to it.
1: Yes that, because that, that, he knew whatever hit that was to his brand would last about that long until he's back on the football field it would be fine uh, from there so that, that part required, i was say yeah. you think that was
0: required though you think he needed I, to no, actually no not required but i think everything he does is Tampa so Bay to him?
1: Yeah, I think every with just like LeBron, everything is so intense at the very tail end of his career to try to reel in as many championships as possible. It doesn't matter what I have to do, I'm going to get it done so that the end of my career, the true end of my career, the tale will be as I want to tell it. Those little details in between, not as important as the overall story.
2: I also feel like Tom Brady is that friend who has like made plans with a lot of people and then is trying to figure out how he can get out of these plans. In a very strategic way, so he's not the bad guy. Like, remember, Tom Brady needed to make his family happy. And he was like, I'll try this out, sure. But at the same time, I'm going to oust my coach and come back and do a palace coup. But it's going to be framed under the guise of progressive racial hiring. Like, I believe Tom Brady actually does have a level of. Strategy here that we right. may what, what, underestimate. Where
0: does Lily Tomlin fit in? Okay, Sally Field. Mm-hmm. You know these are pillars of the industry. We heard the announcement for eighty for Brady. What does this do to the schedule? That's a very good point. I honestly, I think if he's going to be, you know, puppet strings, we really need to acknowledge the people that he's letting down. We hey, need what's to talk to What's
1: your go-to move guy. for that, Pablo <laughs> and Sarah? Your go-to move for getting out of plans with friends.
2: I you don't mean, bail. The key, Oh, well, that's I mean. No, oh, so
1: you're the perfect friend. Okay, sorry. Yeah, great. Congratulations, Ari, you're the perfect friend. <laughs> you Meanwhile... know, sometimes your friends want you to cancel. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, as in the case of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, Alabaster, you kind of need to get your friend to want to cancel so that you're not the guy who's doing <laughs> the canceling. That's
3: right. That's right. And, well, and I sort of view this as uh, you know, Tom Brady will Smith, Bruce Arians, Chris Rock in this situation where there was a metaphorical <laughs> slap and he was like, "Wow." Okay, let's move on.
0: (laughs) And then and then Tom Brady was like, Keep my mother team out (laughs) your mouth. And then Bruce Arians was like, I'm gonna. And then he stepped into the front office. Oh my
3: god. All right, guys. Perfect. Well that was a a lot of hot takes. I think we could all cool down with a nice corona
1: and talk about the heat. Really
0: nailed that. Oh
1: my goodness. And our transition.
3: Our question...
0: (laughs) Nothing beats the Heat like a good corona.
3: That's right, especially if you're down in Miami after a victory Uh, by Izzy's beloved Miami Heat. And our question... Heat culture. Did last night's victory over the Celtics change your opinion about either team?
2: Alright, Izzy, you go first, because I've been laughing and making fun of Heat culture for a very long time, but it does feel like last night's game warrants a platform for you to tell us about why this actually worked out really well for
1: them. I mean, I had some opinion changes during the game, like... My opinion on Marcus Smart being probably top three on Defensive Player of the Year changed, because now I believe he could be. He's that good. Um, But my opinion on the Celtics changed when Robert Williams got hurt. Um, You know, granted, if you watch them play, their defense is still as feisty, scrappy, you know, higher quality, way higher than it was earlier in the season, even without him. But he is just the difference maker for that defense and then, you know, offensively the lob threat and everything else that, that he brings there. So that's where my opinion went with Boston before this game. It was like, all right, they're probably going to have, you know, a little bit of a letdown here without Robert. They're probably uh, going to have a letdown toward the end of the season and go into the playoffs, you know, crossing their fingers that they can find that defensive magic again. Um, but. In terms of the heat, like, so here's what's interesting with the heat. So I've always figured that, you know, when they got everybody back, they'd have to pare down that rotation some. Um, And that's basically what the crux of that argument was. It was like, man, we got everybody back, but things look terrible. You don't know what we're doing with the rotation. Let's fix it. And so now they've basically gotten to a place where they're very specific about what they want out there. It's not free flow. It's, you know, it's free flowing to the sense that, hey, we're playing basketball here, but they need to know where the play starts, what the intention is, where the guys are spacing, and just being a lot more methodical it comes to that and being more certain with it and that's that's where Jimmy Butler's the most comfortable like he is not the most free-flowing you know creative offensive player when he knows what the offense is supposed to do that's where he's at his best and so you look at last night and maybe that takes the ball some out of Tyler Hero's hands because it's like hey we know you're going to be able to create but we need to be sure about what we're doing here so when you get your chances take them He only had 12 points there were 12 huge points like some of those in the second quarter getting keeping them from being blown out basically but there's just a lot more structure a lot more purpose and rigidity I guess you could say Say to the Heat offense, and that to me is what they needed to just feel good about their offense, and their defense is always going to be there. So that's where my my, my opinion was. I still think the Heat are gonna end up holding on to that one seed. Boston will probably fall into four, and maybe they'll meet in the second round.
2: I just hate, Sarah, that like again, as somebody who likes to laugh at Heat culture, I just hate that we had a very public actual fight between Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler. And we have not really seen the suffering as a result of it, no. which does feed all of the whole like, you know, uh, well, you didn't whatever
0: watch
1: that the next game on Saturday. Then there was some suffering yeah. going on there. But.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were they suffered four game skid, right? And it came right around mm-hmm. was right after that. But
2: but to do this against, I mean, this is why I say like they haven't really suffered is because I also agree that they're going to remain the one seed, right? Yeah. And the Celtics yeah. Yeah. are this team. I love this sort of like rivalry that's emerged between Boston and Miami for a couple of reasons. But one of which is the fact that when you have Robert Williams time Lord on the, floor, you have a guy who can switch everything. You have a guy who is the NBA leader in field goal percentage against, He is an incredible, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Probably wasn't going to win it, but is the guy that makes the entire Boston Celtics defense kind of work. And on the opposite end, what the Miami, he did to the Celtics offense Which had been surprisingly great is that they completely sarah they snuffed out jason tatum and Mm jalen brown seven combined points points in the fourth fourth quarter quarter. yes two for tatum seven combined three of 13 from the field i mean that is supposed to be the thing that carries the boston celtics in their sort of like what are they now like 24 and 6 since like the new year started or whatever it is somewhere around there like You lose Robert Williams and you have those two guys now like laying a giant egg in the fourth quarter. That's where the Heat have to feel good for all of the drama that they've experienced.
0: So you guys both tackled this from the Heat side of things, and I think there's obviously merit to that discussion, and Izzy, to your point, that rigidity, that ability to put into place things and then execute on them and figure those things out before you get to the postseason when execution is going to be extra important against a super tough, super packed top of the East. We didn't reflect on the side of the other, the other side of the ball with the Celtics, where execution was the entire problem. You can, of course, credit yeah. the Heat for forcing them into mistakes, but 19 turnovers, a lack of focus, um, an immaturity in the way they handled the, the the tough minutes at the end of the game. Yeah, they struggled in part because of the Heat defense, but you can't overlook the fact that this is a team that has folded in on itself at numerous occasions throughout the season. That was a, a much more relevant early on. They constantly argue with the officials, and sometimes it takes them out of defensive plays. They get into one-on-one situations too much when things start to fall apart. These are things the Celtics do to themselves in addition to whatever their opponent is trying to force them into. So I think you can look at what the Heat did and absolutely commend them, especially after they just had that losing skid for bringing things back together and getting right as the postseason comes along. Yeah. But you have to look they're, at also they're. what the Celtics do wrong in these situations because it is that lack of maturity and that inability to come together in those moments, and instead they start to fall apart and it becomes fighting yeah. with the refs and each other, getting technicals at the end, uh, and, you know, sort of out of frustration. That's the stuff that I think should worry Celtics fans the most when they enter what's gonna be some series where teams can get under their skin and try to force that out of them.
1: Jason Tatum was the one who got the uh, frustration technical there yesterday. And that's always been, Sarah, to your point, Like that's always been my big question with the Celtics. When you put them in a seven game series, when a team like uh, miami or milwaukee or whoever gives all of that attention to jason tatum and forces now all of a sudden yeah him, he's making quick decisions but he's got like he doesn't know where the double's coming from he doesn't know when it's coming it's just it throws him off and you know the heat have been particularly successful with that against him at times the uh, same with mb you know when, when that's what worries me sometimes about james harden carrying a team if one or the other gets basically yep. taken out by a double like is the other one going to be able to to handle it and so Um, That's what I've always worried about with the Celtics. I thought this version of them, though, with this defense and you know not really putting that much pressure on him individually uh, to score is exactly what could unlock him, right? And you've seen it. He's basically been the best offensive player since about January. But this is where I differentiate him from KD. Like, when things get that tough, KD can still find his spot, rise up, and get the shot. I don't see that enough from Jason Tatum. Like, he allowed Max Struess last night to affect him (laughs) way too much defensively. And go ahead and ask Kevin Durant. With all due respect to Max Strus, go and ask Kevin Durant if he thinks Max Strus is going to affect him in the fourth quarter of an important game. He's probably right. going to say no chance.
0: I mean, there are very few yeah. people that you could hold up next to Kevin Durant in the league. Not right, to mention right. an under twenty-five or twenty-five and under player. So I think I think there's growth clearly that we can we, we could see from Tatum in the future. But mm-hmm. I do think that that's ultimately when you look across an East that is separated by so few games and is going to do some more shuffling before the postseason it is, is decided. Crazy. It's going to it's come down rough. to not just talent, but execution. And whether you can, in those moments of, of uncertainty at the end of games, follow through with the plan. And I think the Heat are working towards proving to us that they can. Although again, they just had that skid and they just had that blow up. And oh, there I are moments where they're as volatile as any team. Um, but I, I think I think the East is full of teams that have the potential for collapse. And that is why, yeah. as we get closer to the to the postseason, people ask me who the favorites are. I'm like, I don't know. Is James Harden going to forget how to basketball again? You and can't his, even his project,
1: project the like, matchups. It's so right. difficult.
0: Right,
2: now, no, right. No, no, no. I, I mean, Alabaster, we I have. OK, what do you want? What the hell do you
3: want? <laughs> Sarah, I got to say, really going to agree with you. You're right. It's going to come down to talent and execution. Hundred <laughs> percent.
0: It's going to be whichever team scores more points than the others. That's, That's not right. my point, good Alabaster. Good good. But they were talking a lot about talent, and I was simply pointing out that the Celtics have had the talent since January. They've been able to show up and match up. Unfortunately, it's when they take themselves out because of execution. Thank you for. But here's my here's point.
2: here's the before Sarah executes Alabaster. I do want to point out <laughs> something about the standings, right? Like we're talking about how great it is that the Heat are retaining the number one seed. I also come to this topic as a person who was quietly very glad that the Sixers have now lost to the Suns, and also more recently to the Bucks because here are the standings right now, right? The Heat are the one seed, 49 wins. The Bucks are the two seed, 47 wins. The Sixers are the three seed, 46 wins, 29 losses. The Celtics, 47 wins, 30 losses, the four seed. Then the Bulls, then the Raptors, and then scrolling down, the Cavs, the Nets, the Hornets, the Hawks. That rounds out the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. Izzy, man, we just talked about how Kevin Durant doesn't fear Max Struess. Kevin Durant's going to get Max Struess. <laughs> like, that's that's. that's you the might. thing that I would be terrified. I mean, the whole, like, chaos of this, even before we get to the fact that Toronto quietly, because of their, like, not quietly anymore— but Toronto because of their vaccine protocols like actually right. has home court advantages in ways that nobody else has in the uh, NBA especially
0: anymore. when the Sixers and the Celtics are refusing to say whether was it the Admit Celtics who, yeah. yeah Sixers and the no. Celtics refusing to say whether they're fully vaccinated which means they ain't because you if you yeah. are you're going to just say yes we are you're not leave this it open. is why that race
1: to the top isn't really a race. It's just kind of like people just kind of shoving around. Like, it's like when uh, the guy's trying to catch the uh, at a wedding. I don't know what they call that, the garter. Uh, it's yeah. like, yeah, I don't really want it, but I guess I'll take it. Because um, you don't know what the matchup is going to be. And man, you just don't want to be that Correct. unlucky team. Now, you, I, look, let's be real here. The Nets defense has been pretty bad, and they've been a little bit erratic even since uh, Kyrie Irving has been granted uh, the green light to play. So it would be absolutely crazy if they didn't make the playoffs, but that remains a possibility, okay? So you cannot, you absolutely cannot give up on the number one seed just because of the chance that Brooklyn gets in and they're your opponent because you got to say to yourself, look, they have enough faults where I feel like over a seven-game series will come out on top. It might be a pain in the butt, and it might be the worst possible uh, first-round scenario, but I'm not going to dodge it.
2: Yeah, I maybe this is just obvious because I am uh, a priest of the process, but I'm dodging the hell out of that. I don't care, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, the idea that I'm going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in my first yeah. round series because I'm really great at basketball, no thanks. You guys can have that fake award of number one seed in the Eastern Conference that nobody cares about.
1: Well, I will say that Harden like versus Sixers, the Nets man. is sets up for the most dramatic first round slash offseason, uh, you know, in the Northeast yes. as far as basketball is concerned in a long time.
2: Yes. Yes and that's even getting before we get to the fact that maybe Kyrie Irving will end up playing in Cleveland at some point. Um, but um, Alabaster how are you how are, you, how are you, that? Oh yeah, no. I am I mean, all of these things are are possible because the standings, Alabaster, yeah. are truly day-to-day. Hour to hour, there was a point where like, I was sure that the Sixers were the four seed, and then I looked at the standings like 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, that's no longer the case. Yeah, I have no
0: idea The what's Bulls need to, to, to like not completely lay an egg or they could find themselves sliding all the yep. way down to like the play-in tournament or out, it's wild. Yes, it's and I would not feel best best good about the Bulls' wins. chances
1: if they got into the play-in because they've been sliding so far. Uh. So yeah, hold your ground, people.
3: <laughs> yep. It's, it's all, you know, there are a lot of moving pieces because the Nets could even end up in the seven and all of this jockeying together. The one could be for nothing, yep. and the two-seed Celtics mm-hmm. or Bucks or whomever might have to face The three-seed might be that comfortable dragon. spot. I agree. Three <laughs> well, you seed where you know you'll avoid the be. Nets. You'll get yep. a first
1: round at home. Yep. Not
3: a terrible place. All right, we're going to move on to a few if-thens where I will give you a statement and you guys will finish it. And we're going to stick with the NBA. And that's because Paul George came back from his elbow injury and looked awesome. And the Clippers are now another shadow contender if their Mm -hmm. team gets healthy. And our question, Paul George goes off against Sarah's Bulls tonight, Mm -hmm. then blank.
0: Guys, speaking of my Bulls, what kind of bad luck do we have to have? To get Paul George clippers instead of clippers (laughs) without Paul George that everybody else has gotten to enjoy for however long. Yeah, Paul George, 34 last night in that comeback win. This is not someone that the Bulls will have any success slowing down. They have trouble with guards in the lane. They just have trouble against people with his skill set in general. And they've been struggling. Um, I'm still trying to stay enthusiastic and positive (laughs) about the giant step forward that my team took this year. But there's a, such a noticeable difference with Lonzo Ball out. With Caruso back, it helps, but that just completely changes their defensive ability. It's been obvious. And then of late, it's it's been more than just that. It, they just haven't clicked. So if Paul George comes back and is hot against my Bulls and the Clippers win, then I won't be surprised, which is sad because I just think my Bulls have, are having a crisis of conscience right now. And Paul George has yeah. been waiting for this opportunity to come back and show the league he still got it.
1: So I went a little too specific with this where I'm saying if Paul George goes off against Sarah Bulls tonight, then the Minnesota Timberwolves will not make the playoffs. And the reason I say oh. that is because you just Ooh. look at the matchups in the play in you've got the Clippers potentially meeting the Timberwolves in that first game. And yep, I seven, like eight. the Clippers chances there. Right. And then um, then I'm thinking, you know what, if it's the Lakers. If the Lakers happen to win that 9-10 matchup, and they've got Anthony Davis back, and it's a young Pelicans Lakers team, yeah. and, it, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I think the Lakers could possibly beat Minnesota, and I think Minnesota's out of the playoffs, and the Lakers are in, so I think if wow. the Bulls win here, then um, then, you know, then maybe things are in question here, and the Clippers aren't as, as strong as I think, but I think if that happens again, yeah, that's where, I, where I'm going with it.
2: I like how Izzy went full domino meme.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, like it
2: started yeah, yeah, with yeah. Paul George's return and yeah. ends with Carl Anthony Towns trying to figure out if Rosario. Right. It's, it's, it's either that domino or the it's always sunny the board. It,
0: he's got the, the red. Well blue. actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna one up Izzy on the conspiratorial domino effect here because I think that if Paul George goes off against Sarah's Bulls tonight, then we're gonna see Kawhi Leonard. Like Kawhi Leonard is going to get up off his fake hospital bed where he's been resting wow. and think the season's worth playing in. We've been hearing <laughs> alabaster back up on this. We've been hearing rumblings about Kawhi Leonard taking an eye to the playoffs. Now notably the reporting has the rumors in the reporting have not been that Paul that Kawhi Leonard wants to play alongside Paul George in the play-in round. But if they get out of the play-in that first round matchup Kawhi Leonard might be there, which changes literally everything about the Western Conference and the NBA championship in general. Yes, I can
3: corroborate that there are rumors that he is playing five on five and could be cleared to play professional basketball in games in April. Which obviously, taking so the be Clippers a
1: game in a matchup with the uh, with the Grizzlies in that scenario, if it's a seven two.
2: I mean, if Kawhi Leonard's healthy, and we just got that. There was this um, one video of him like working out strenuously pre-game. I forget at what arena it was, but like. I I think that is a really close series. I mean, if I
1: John love Morant the Grizzlies. If John Morant sits it out, if John Morant sits it out, I think the Grizzlies have a chance.
0: <laughs> if he sits it out, because they're, what, 18-2 so without, without him? They're so good without him.
2: Yeah. They're so good without him. But that does feel like a, you've had too many Coronas sort of a take, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. All right. Alabaster? Got another NBA question.
3: This is talking about, you know, a couple of the sleeping giants in the East, and we have another good matchup, and it's if the Bucks beat the nets after beating the
2: sixers which is a very dramatic game then blank if the bucks beat the nets after beating the sixers last game then brooke lopez needs to get his flowers i understand that we're talking about all of the big three yeah drew holiday chris middleton Giannis. Giannis is incredible you know last second game saving blocks all of that is fair but brooke lopez coming back like, remember, the way they won the title was with Brook Lopez being the guy in the middle who sort of enables everything else about this team. You know, he's not one of the three best players, but he is so essential to what they do. And that's what's scary to me. Like, when I watch the Bucks, I'm like, oh, this now looks like w- what they looked like when they won the title. And yep. that's not a thing because Lopez had been out since or till like earlier this month that I had not seen at all.
0: To me. Yeah, my
1: um my Go thing ahead. on the Bucks is like this late this last surge is if it gets them the one seed, which is perfectly possible, if Giannis keeps going off for, you know, forty and fifteen, like he did uh fourteen, I think, maybe against the Sixers, um, then I think this late push is going to build enough of uh a resume for him to be MVP again. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Wow. I think uh, Jokic's numbers are the ones that everybody's going to, you know, look at and say, "Man, he seems to be slightly ahead of everybody else." But just dig a little bit, maybe, and you know, some of those assists that uh, that uh, Jokic is being granted, probably fluffing the numbers up a little bit. Uh, I do think that that Giannis you're will saying, end up winning saying, the MVP.
2: Denver is the, They're going Oklahoma City. Scorekeeper on this, they're doing. What they did the Russell Westbrook go, padding. Go look numbers. at some of
1: these assists. Go look at some of these assists that come after like <laughs> three or four slander. dribbles, and the it's slander like wow, that's crazy. So yeah, I mean, okay. I'm, not, I'm not saying people are going to look into that enough to not give it to him. I think he might actually get it, but I think it should be if this happens. then I think the the Bucks are going to roll the rest of this, you know, five six games that are left, and Giannis should be the MVP.
0: I don't think that's going to happen. I think there are people who are too set in their ways about the conversation they've already had in yep. their heads back and forth yep. between Embiid and Jokic. And I think the needle has shifted to the Jokic side of things. If you look, something like the biggest advanced metrics, he's leading the league in four out of five of them. Numbers-wise, it's not really yep. an argument. It's just a matter of getting people over the hump of aesthetically whether or not they appreciate it Although his on-off numbers
1: are pretty interesting, too. They're a little stretched there. They are better without him on the floor, but go ahead.
0: I think that there's clearly an argument for Giannis, but having already won it a couple times, we always in the NBA do the whose turn it is, and we haven't talked about him all year in that way, which was going to be my point to this question. If the Bucs beat the Nets after being the Sixers last game, then we might finally talk about them as much as we should have been doing this entire season, but haven't because they ain't got no drama. Why aren't we talking about right. the Bucs? Because none of their very serious stars have been injured significantly. Of course, Lopez is, is a big piece, but it hasn't been Giannis missing some, some sincere time. They aren't fighting with each other. No one has forced a trade out. Nobody has forced their way out of getting vaccinated. We're not talking about the Bucks because they're just doing what they did all of last year and have done for a number of years. We're not worried about the hot seat for Budenholzer. We're not asking about Giannis' legacy if he never wins. We don't have... Gas bag questions to ask on shows just like this one to facilitate conversation. The conversation is just, boy, the Bucks look good, don't they? Sure do. All right, let's talk about Kyrie and James Harden, right? Like, that's they have not gotten the attention and the love and the coverage. And I don't know if that bothers them at all. Probably does their PR people or people who want to sell their merch or whatever. But the team, I'm sure, is unbothered by the fact that we've mostly left them alone. But I do think. As we near the postseason and we start to really consider who our favorites are, we will all be jarred back into remembering that the Bucks are really good and that we should have been talking about them all season long a whole lot more.
1: Well, let's do it, Sarah. Let's create a controversy here for the Bucks because <laughs> yes. look, okay, so I tonight, I I cringe. To I cringe.
0: physically. Hang on a second. I cringe
1: the- when 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 he's on the post game podium and he's about to give his dad joke because i know it's going to be terrible i
0: like the pablo, one the other can night can you find
1: his email address what and just send him some just ghostwrite some please that is please. lying on the floor ground beef i heard that when i was 3 uh-huh, years old uh-huh, like uh-huh, come uh-huh. on <laughs> why I don't like we it. get him some better jokes he needs a ghostwriter pablo
2: Yeah, I'm down. Giannis, if you need someone to work some- If you can spell his email address. Some very thinly veiled double entendres that might get you in trouble with the NBA, I'm absolutely here to do that as a fellow dad. Yeah, Giannis, if you want some
0: esoteric jokes that go over the heads of most people because they're not in fact funny, (laughs) they're just a way to show off your vocabulary, I've got your man.
2: Ouch. I mean, hey, you said esoteric, not me. So I think <laughs> on this one, clean sheet. Alabaster, our, I I guess we should blame Alabaster. Alabaster, why don't you make us talk about the bucks? How mm-hmm. dare you? How let's make mm-hmm. a controversy there. How dare you mm-hmm. fail us as our producer? Um I'm sorry.
3: My bad. I, I you know, I, I would love to talk about the Bucks and not the ooh scary Lakers for the thirty-fifth time, right? Is he even Jeez referenced Louise.
1: earlier in the show? Even I, though there I noticed that. Games behind the I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: It is. It is boring, though, right? If the Bucks win it's the in title, my contract, oh though. my lord. If the Bucks after win the title after this whole season
0: of drama, what are we we're even just like? Going, and they what? just ran it back. <laughs> what are we going to yell about?
2: What the hell? Ooh, I got it. Is he going to yell
0: about. about Giannis's dad jokes and somehow find a way to criticize like the nicest person in the league, who is a delight to cover and watch play, who has a great story way to get him in and is cycle. endlessly nice and kind? Guys, Glory. I, got, he's find I got. I got. I <laughs> got one
3: for us. I have an if-then. Okay. If the Bucks win the title this year, <laughs> then does Giannis enter the goat debate?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. There you
2: go. Ooh, you well, know Doc what?
1: Rivers just said the other day that he's Michael. In term, Like, we are talking about the NBA uh, MVP discussion, and he kind of forgot that Giannis was in it. And he was like, oh, yeah, he's like Michael these days. It's just you forget what he does. And it's like, okay, then oh, give it to him.
3: Right.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> I feel like Doc Rivers is consuming a very different version of the NBA where you could forget about Michael. Like, <laughs> sorry, Doc. That's yeah. not a thing that I'm familiar No, with. I
0: think his point was that every year with the MVP, you just were like, okay, besides Michael Jordan, who should we give it to this right. year? That's what he meant by
1: that. But they just kept giving it to Jordan. So just keep oh, giving they, it to
2: like, like the time that Derrick Rose won that MVP, Sarah. You know no, what? Like that one. You know what? She it to LeBron, but he got what? tired about it. Yeah. You know what? Like a pretty
1: good point, Alabaster. Oh, I thought that's usually followed by something. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it was just me. It was me doing the Mindy <laughs> yes. Kaling. Number one, how dare you? Um, yes, Alabaster?
3: So I, I do think it's worth noting that all of Doc Rivers' comparisons should be thrown out after
2: he compared DeAndre Jordan to Bill Russell, but I think- Oh, that's right. Mm. That's right. By the way, if I may just, I forgot to complain about Doc Rivers while talking about the Sixers for two times. If Doc Rivers, what I'm most worried about, if Doc Rivers uses DeAndre freaking Jordan, like he used Dwight Howard last year, I'm going to throw my laptop out my window. Nobody loves DeAndre like Doc loves DeAndre. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. (laughs) Anyway, please proceed, Alabaster. That's it. That's the show.
0: Wow, we did it, guys!
2: Man, Izzy, I feel um... good about us ending Mm. on a
0: Pablo Sixers rant and a shot at Derrick Rose's MVP. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we need a worthier Mm. target for our for our final skewering. You want Do to go over Marcus Gasol's people...
1: Defensive Player of the Year season? Because that was a big question oh, mark boy. right there. Speaking of I... awards, I should have gone to LeBron.
2: Do you guys have people that you want to get fired, but when you talk to them in real life, you're like, oh, I love this person, because that is is Dr. Rivers yeah. for me. Like, I oh, call for a job, and then I'm like, oh, you're so charming.
0: Speaking of Defensive Player of the Year, Aaliyah Boston. Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. John Staley, coach of the year again, South Carolina sweeping the Naismith Awards. Let's talk about it. Oh, the show's over. Dude.
1: That's Frank Vogel like, for me, Pablo.
0: I feel like
2: <laughs> I feel like Giannis could work in a Game Talks joke.
0: Oh, Joe absolutely. If you want him to work blue, I see what you're doing. I appreciate